1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join
0: the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat Today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the Deputy Editor of Yankees Magazine. Joining me today, we have our Executive Editor, Nathan McAbarski.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Hello, Nathan. And, of course, we have our esteemed Associate Editor, Gary Phillips. How are we doing, guys? All right. We're doing okay. We are, as anyone who heard our first seven attempts at starting this podcast might know, we are very much in the dog days of summer here. It is the... Ides of August, if you will. We have six weeks left in the season. If you're going to be in mid-August, you might as well be playing as well as the Yankees are playing right now, I think.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy because this is my first year covering the team on like a day-to-day basis and being here every day. And the season has just flown by. But part of that's also just because we're watching so much good, exciting baseball.
1: It's really incredible. I mean, you're... First season here. I don't know how many it's been for me, but we've all been watching baseball for a very long time, and I can't ever recall a team in any sport dealing with as many injuries as this this team has and still being as successful as it has been. It's just, it's mind-boggling. It really is. So it is pretty crazy. I mean,
0: we're sitting here at our desks earlier this week when the email comes out with the 2020 schedule. I mean, it's too soon for that stuff, but <laughs> it is comforting to know, for at least the Yankees, that Gleyber should be on the team in 2020, and there do appear to be nearly 20 games against the Orioles in 2020. So things should be okay. Should be more than okay. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. I mean, there there are major league seasons that don't look like the games that. Cabrera's played
2: against the Orioles so far. He's literally becomes Barry Bonds when they play each other. The Yankees and the Orioles, like the numbers are the same, like they're inflated. He got walked with the bases loaded when the Orioles were already losing 11 to 6 yesterday. There were 2 outs. Like he's actually getting Barry Bonds treatment from them at this point. It's kind
1: of wild. Yeah, what else can you do? I mean, he's he's that on fire against them. Now, uh, John, when you took a look at the schedule, I mean, you're a you're big uh, road trip guy. I know you always like to plan ahead, you know, thinking about your next trips. W- what jumped out to you about next year's schedule? Anything uh, in, in mind as far as locations you'd like to see?
0: You know, the first things that I always do are look for interleague, not because I'm so excited anymore by the idea of interleague games. It's just the most likely chance to see weird matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the Cubs coming here next year. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be in June. One thing that I did notice is that the team is going to Milwaukee.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Milwaukee. I'm not going to bore anyone by counting it on tape right now but milwaukee is something like right now one of i think three stadiums that i haven't been to next year it'll be four but when you add in the new ranger stadium mm-hmm. another member of our group has already claimed that trip to <laughs> Milwaukee,
1: <laughs> so i will not be making that trip so i'll have to find another reason to get to miller park my first road trip for the yankees magazine back in 2008 was to pnc park out in Pittsburgh, which uh, the Yankees are returning to again next year. That's a gem. That was a good one. So if you're listening and you're thinking about a road road trip in 2020, that's a highly recommend right there.
0: There are other things that stick out, though. I think we have the earliest opening day that we've ever had mm-hmm. outside, or the earliest opening day we've ever had in the continental United States.
1: I, you know, I think it said earliest ever. So those games in Tokyo at the beginning of 2000. or whenever that was maybe they were later maybe they were later than that we'll also be playing the first major league game in Iowa next year
0: I gotta say that's pretty cool Um. (laughs) we'll
1: we'll all be jockeying for that trip as well I have
0: already had so many people ask me I'm just like there are 8,000 seats in the stadium i like I don't think you're getting in man (laughs) Um, sorry dad
1: (laughs) and uh, you know next year's all-star game of course at Dodger Stadium right that'll be a good trip This year's All-Star game to Cleveland was a good trip for you, John, right? Because in any other year, you know, the August cover story would have been about DJ LeMahieu because of what he's meant to this team so far. And the fact that, you know, he was a starting in the All-Star game for the Yankees out there in Cleveland. But it just so happens uh, (laughs) Mariano Rivera also made for a very fitting cover this month. But the story, nonetheless, on, on DJ was cover worthy. So, you know, what was kind of your... Approach going into Cleveland. Did you know, think ahead of time that you were going to be focusing on DJ Lemayhew, or
0: you know, it's funny because I I I didn't know exactly who I was going to be focusing on when I thought about this All Star Game. But when it turned out, when you, especially when you looked at our initial crew that was named to the team, I had written about Gary Sanchez like two months earlier. I didn't want to do that again. I did a Chapman feature at the end of last year and. He's not the easiest guy to do a feature on twice. He doesn't really give you a lot about himself, so which really, I guess was good practice for writing about Tejada Mayhew. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when he was named, I mean, the fact of the matter is, Nate. You know, you see the mentions we get on our Twitter account. There was just a, this pretty decent stretch. I feel when like when we're doing a cover reveal or we're doing this or talking about upcoming stories, and we would just get. Where's the DJ LeMahieu cover? Mm-hmm. Where's the DJ LeMahieu cover? And pretty clearly it was a guy we were going to write about. Now, what those people clamoring for a DJ LeMahieu cover story don't always know is that DJ LeMahieu doesn't necessarily want a cover story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought he wasn't the guy, kind of guy who played the game with the media. What I think I learned in writing the story was that he's just playing a slightly different game.
1: Mm-hmm. I just love baseball. I enjoy it. Um, you know, I'm not the most outgoing personality, uh, but, um, you know, I just, I just love baseball and I love being around around our guys.
2: So. so that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is because he is a guy that doesn't really love talking about himself especially and it's not that he's ever rude or doesn't give you time or doesn't answer your questions he just doesn't say much when you actually ask him about him so how did you approach that knowing he might not be the best quote going into such a big piece so that kind of made it a little easier in a sense the fact that my
0: first approach was in spring training when I tried to get him to do our quick hits segment and he passed on something like half the questions which was a bad start you know that we uh, we heard from some other people from the Yankees who had been trying to do some stuff with him that his direct quote was I don't do fun Um <laughs> and look I'm trying to figure out exactly the right way to say this we're not above making judgments of guys when they're new here I mean our job is to try to get the most color possible out of them and if they're Difficult to do that with a lot of times. We maybe judge them harshly and you know get annoyed at them and don't give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll be honest, you know, I left spring training saying, Well, I guess we're not doing too much on DJ LeMahieu this year, but I also left spring training thinking that DJ LeMahieu was going to be a utility player for much of the year. All of a sudden, he's rocketing to the top of MVP consideration, although there's Mike Trout and everyone else, so he's, still exists. He's, he's, he's not, but. And you realize, okay, well, not say I want to ignore the guy, but you realize, like, got to find some way to write about him because he's super interesting. What he's doing on the field is super interesting. And I kept kind of trying. And, and what I would always notice is he was very nice. He was very polite. He just kind of would demur. And, you know, he, he he would, almost you could almost see him thinking in his head exactly how much he wanted to say. And then he would say, like, 25% less than that. And so, in terms of how I got him, it was just, it wasn't, I don't even know that I did get him, per se, um, to agree to this in any way. I just kind of kept on talking to him in short bursts and picking up little things. By the time we got to Cleveland, you know, I kind of planted myself down at his table at media day for a good 20 minutes and, You know, I think I was the first twelve questions he asked for me, and it was basically like me doing a one-on-one Q and A with him in front of like thirty other people. But he was trapped, so it was fine.
1: That's that's one of the great things about you know covering the All Star Game is like they're they're forced to sit there and and answer questions for that that half hour or whatever it is, and you were also kind of you know I don't want to say bailed out, but you were. Aided in the fact that, you know, not only are the Yankees there and the American League All Stars there, but the National League All Star media availability with DJ having spent, you know, his entire career up until this season in the National League, you were able to talk to some guys who have been around him a lot. And I feel like a lot of the best stuff in this piece came from those guys. That was the most strategic thing I would
0: say I did the entire time was so the way it works is this year, the American League All-Stars went first. See, the American League All-Stars are all sitting in a room for 45 minutes at each of their own tables. And they have to do it. And and I I want to just clear something up that I said before. He was perfectly friendly and nice and actually gave a lot of stuff. And he was smiling and laughing up there, which you don't see a lot. It just, I I still don't know what his favorite movie is or what he likes to do in his spare time. But yeah, so, you know, after 45 minutes, you get kicked out of the room. And it just so happened when we got kicked out of the room, I was kind of in the back of the room, which meant that I was kind of in the front of the line to get back in after they spent 15 minutes turning it over from AL to NL. Now it's in Cleveland, so in my head, you know, you can always kind of imagine where the crowds are going to go, and what I'm thinking is the crowds are probably going to go to the Mets, who are right up front in the in the room. Um, You you know, the Mets are going to get. You know, New York writers and also random writers who want to talk to Pete Alonso. You know, the Dodgers are obviously going to be a big draw, things like that. And I said to myself, there's just not that many people here who are here for the Colorado Rockies. And I looked around and I did not see the Colorado Rockies beat writer. So I had a sense, as, as close up in the line as I was that I was going to have my pick basically of one-on-one with any Rockies player. And I decided I wanted to go for Charlie Blackman just because at my last time at the all-star game, I got to see his personality a little bit and I thought he'd be really funny. So door opens and I sprint in and sure enough, you know, I get right up to Charlie Blackman and he's kind of surrounded by his teammates. I just, I just let out with Charlie, you played with the DJ for years. And all of a sudden he's like, yep. Told you guys. Looks over at his teammates, Trevor story, Nolan Arenado, David Dahl, yep, told you guys more DJ questions, <laughs> and I look at him and I was like, oh, "I'm sorry." He's like, "No, it's a totally fair question. I just, I, I promised these guys the first questions we were going to get were going to be DJ questions." <laughs>
1: yep, yeah, more DJ questions. I'm sorry, is that "Am I not allowed to do that?" I don't blame you for asking because he's a really good player. I know DJ pretty well. It took me you know, six years to get there. You know, it it, it was a slow process, and he's uh. He's not one to open up right out of the gate, uh, and he's certainly not one to uh, seek out the media. That's not really his jam. He just wants to play the baseball.
0: But I mean, and, and, and this is an overly simple question, so I apologize. Is he a good dude, though? I mean, is he...
1: oh, he's the best. He, he's. Uh... It's not often where you see guys leave a team, and then the team that he left, everybody still talks very highly of him you know, as long after his absence is, is it's been like, we're still talking, you know, still telling DJ stories and he's still, uh, held in very high regard in the Rockies locker room.
0: Pretty soon I'm surrounded by a few other people only it's not national or Colorado ra- writers. It's New York writers because everyone had the same general thought, which is he, if he won't tell us who he is, then these guys who played with him for six, seven years are going to, and The message that I got, it it wasn't that different from what I've been getting from guys in the New York clubhouse was just, this is a really solid, good guy. And he's quiet, but he's crazy intense. He's really interesting. He's really a good dude. and Everyone loves him. Again, if if I'm going to say that my first impression of him, fairly or unfairly, was colored by just like, oh man, he's not going to give me anything, then... In the same way, this has to color my impression also, that the people who actually do know him are telling me, like, no, you just have to trust me. He's a really great guy. That's what I tried to kind of get across in the story a lot, while also talking about the fact that, like, every time he comes up with the bases
1: loaded, he hits a double to the wall that scores three runs. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, I'll be the, the first to admit uh, I don't watch a, a whole lot of Rockies baseball, but watching him this year has just been, like, kind of, An eye-opening experience, Gary. What do you think? You know, watching him on a daily basis this year, what's kind of been the most impressive aspect to you of what DJ LeMahieu's been able to do here?
2: There's all this talk about he was a Coors Field product, and you know, people didn't. Some people didn't think he was going to hit when he came over here. I, I always thought he was a pretty good ball player, despite where he played. But what he's done this year is incredible. The thing that's the most impressive to me is just the consistency and especially in clutch situations. I've never seen anything like it where it really is just as close to automatic as you can get when the game's on the line or when there's runners in scoring position and he really does to his credit and you can see how it's an advantage to him having the kind of calm demeanor. He just stays even keel no matter what he's doing. You now he doesn't get caught up in last night's big hit or on the, you know in the rare occasion he strikes out. he doesn't dwell on that. It's the same approach, same attitude every time he's at bat. and I think that's why we're seeing him thrive in what is such a dramatically different market than he's used to playing his whole career, I don't think that can be overlooked either, just the adjustment. Are you suggesting that he is like a machine? That is indeed what (laughs) I might be saying. Interesting. I think the biggest difference in this offense compared to last year is how well they hit in clutch situations with runners on base, and I think he's obviously been the leading factor in that, and it's kind of affected the rest of the lineup. They've kind of taken on that same approach and that same ability. And I think a lot of it has to do
0: with just a crazy level swing that's not going to slump as much as, you know, these I mean, granted, he has more home runs than he's ever had in his career, but, you know, let me be very clear that I am not in the too many damn home runs camp or whatever nonsense you see there, but, you know, his swing shouldn't slump. You know, he, he hits he's going to hit for high average because he's just got this level, you know, all fields. It doesn't matter where. He's just going to put the ball exactly
2: where it needs to go each time. So going back to just how he doesn't give very much when you try and ask him questions. Like, I had a few, a, m- a month or so ago, some, like, really pointed questions about that level swing. And, you know, if he sees that being taught around the game because, you know, home runs are on the rise – and if he's ever had to kind of push back against coaches either here or in Colorado and stick with his thing, and he was just like, eh, "No, that's just how I swing the bat." <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's it's working pretty well, so. But I, I'll
0: tell you, and again, this goes to talking to the people who know him best. Nolan Arenado mentioned to me a year when he actually did like add more of a leg kick and try to you know change his you know, try to get some more power into his swing, which you can understand why a coach in Colorado might look at a person who makes contact that much and see how can, say, how can we put some power behind this because the ball is going to go a long way. And it didn't work for him, and he hated it. And, you know, he just went back to the low stride, low step, even level swing, and that's the way he works for him. He's a line drive hitter. He's always been that guy. I think I remember one time in 14... 15 he like tried to change his swing and he kind of had a not not a great year and then the next year he came back and won the batting title um and he just said i'm gonna be me and this is who i am and i can't change for nobody and i think that's that's paying dividends i think that's how you become a great hitter is that you do those things
2: and i can't imagine anybody's giving him any pointers on adjustments to make anymore
0: (laughs) not anymore although he does he spoke extremely (laughs) highly of uh marcus thames and pj pilater he uh, had good things to say about them And you know what? I I need to confess to something here, because the first story I wrote for the 2019 season was about James Paxton. And I think a lot of my angle in that story was, don't blame yourself for not noticing how good James Paxton is. It was really late when he was playing. And maybe I've just gotten, you know, crustier and more cynical as the months have passed. But a lot of my ankle, it seems, in this LeMayhu story, as I look back on it, was what's wrong with you? Why weren't you paying attention to how good DJ LeMayhu was? <laughs> now, in reality, I mean, it's all tongue in cheek, because I think I'm more saying as I write this story, I think it comes across that I'm saying it to me, myself, and to other New York people that just like, why didn't we believe this was real? Why did we not believe cashman and boone when they said that they think he's going to be an everyday player and we said what are you talking about he's not an everyday player there's no position for him
2: and not even just us or fans or people in new york you could said about just about every other major league baseball front office like why did this guy only get a two-year 24 million dollar deal
0: and i'll say for sure in my conversations with the rockies players that came out a lot and it was the sense of not like jokey, haha, man, we've known this forever. I think it was a lot of guys also looking at the way baseball's market works right now and wondering, like, you know, we knew how good D.J. LeMahieu is. D.J. LeMahieu should have been paid more, and it makes us nervous that he
1: wasn't. Defense, on the other hand, I feel like translates wherever you're playing, and, you know, he had won three gold gloves in four years over there, and, I mean, what a difference. You know, we talked about, the, the difference offensively between last year and this year, and just what the Yankees have been able to do with runners and scoring position and clutch situations. But I mean, the defense overall, infield defense especially, has been like remarkable this year. And he, he, he and G. Warshella have been uh, one in 1A, I think, in terms of that turnaround as well. I know with Arshella rising, he's been who
2: has been more at second base lately, and he was in second base in Colorado. But it's kind of crazy to think that he's the second best third baseman that Colorado had. Like, I mean, doesn't matter where you put him, he comes in, he plays Gold Glove caliber defense, he hits anywhere you put him in the lineup. He, he's been unbelievable on both sides of the ball.
0: I think defense is, is uh, becoming a little bit more. Teams uh, maybe lost a little bit along the way, but um,
1: I don't know. I think I think teams are, are definitely building around pitching and defense rather than offense. You know, I like playing all the positions. Uh, I like doing that, giving our team versatility and something I might enjoy. So. Well, John, I'm sure this is not the last time we will be discussing uh, DJ <laughs> LeMahieu or writing about him in Yankees magazine. and uh, perhaps, Against his wishes. <laughs> right. Make, maybe next time uh, it will be a cover story, but this one was certainly uh, cover worthy. You know, I think it, it really offers a lot of insight into the type of person he is.
0: You know, for all I say about how much he doesn't want to give, I think I did get some stuff in there that... I think at least, you know, does show you who this guy is. And part of the answer to that is in order to understand this guy, you need to understand that he's someone who doesn't want to give a lot. But I talk a lot in there about the ways that it's a game in a sense, and the ways that you could see him smiling as he's wondering how he's not going to answer the question. You know, after we spent three days together in Cleveland or whatever, and I, Probably interviewed him something like five times. You know, it was just like we both gave each other, you know, a little nod and a, you know, a ni- nice game. To <laughs> <both>. <laughs> you know, he knew what I was doing and I knew. What, I mean, I didn't ever come out and say to him like, DJ, I am writing a three thousand word story about you. So most guys, if I'm going to write a story, they'll know directly. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to speak to them and tell them those words first. I never did it with him. But I think he knew what game I was playing. I knew what game he was playing. And I think, I hope, the story kind of conveys that little back-and-forth battle in some ways.
1: Well, it's a, it's a fun place to play it at, at the All-Star Games, surrounded by the best baseball players in the world. Yeah, no, it, it,
0: it was a lot of fun. The story is known, unknown. You can find it in the August issue of Yankees Magazine. I've had a fun time writing it. I've had fun talking about it. I hope you guys enjoy reading it. We are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we are going to discuss some stuff that's been happening down on the farm. It's kind of that time of year. We're getting ready for the minor league seasons to end. We're getting ready for some call-ups. So, Nick and I and Gary are going to talk about some of our perceptions from the road so far this year. So, stick with us.
1: Hi, this is Chance Adams. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine
2: Podcast.
0: The Yankees Magazine podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. And welcome back. So, let's move from the MLB All-Star game to the Yankees farm system. And I'm going to kick this off a little bit by an observation that was made to me by Blake Shear. She's a Yes Network producer. She produces the show Homegrown, which is awesome. If you like Hard Knocks, if you like All or Nothing, if you like The Real Housewives, you can find it all in Homegrown, The Path to Pinstripes. I'm writing about Homegrown and in particular, one homegrown star for the September issue. So I spent some time this past weekend with Blake's crew in Scranton. And one point she made to me over and over was, as I asked her kind of, you know, what the theme of this season was, what the plot of it was, one thing she told me was, you look at the expectations there were for the 2019 Yankees And your sense was that the Yankees had a very good farm system, but that it was about to really stagnate in the sense that the team, you know, my team is on the field, to quote Hoosiers. You looked at this major league team and you saw all-stars at every position and you started thinking that there was going to start, you were going to start really seeing the effects of that in the minors, that guys were going to get trapped and things like that. And that was kind of what she looked at as the storyline for this year was, you know, these players who are good enough to be in the major leagues who are stuck in AAA. As we've seen, that has not been the case this year. Our minor league system has played a massive role in the success of the Yankees. You know, so I think that's just a good place for us to start talking about what we've been seeing. Nate, you were just on the road in the minors. I was just on the road in the minors.
2: Gary, have you done a minorship? I have not done a oh okay.
0: trip. Oh, well, okay. But Gary obviously follows the miners very closely. You know, it, it's just been a fascinating, fascinating year for me.
1: Yeah, and and no shortage of, of great stories down there as well, which is why a show like Homegrown works so well. Um, <clears throat> you know, wherever we've gone, whether it's, you know, you've made trips down to Charleston or visiting Scranton or Trenton, there's always... Stories to be written that appeal to our readers and our fan base. You know, I, I got a chance to go all the way down to the very bottom level, basically, um, in rookie ball a few weeks back. and Spend some time around the, the Pulaski Yankees and being around players at that point in their careers, some of them having just left home for the first time in their lives and they're, you know, starting out as professional ball players, it's really cool, you know. It, it puts a lot of things in perspective, and you get a sense of they can visualize making it to the big leagues. It's still so far away. So, you know, I, I had a really great time. I went down there specifically for uh, to do a story on our first-round pick this year, Anthony Volpe. That story is in, in the August issue of, of the magazine. But talking to just – other players and coaches and support staff and everything—it's um, a wonderful experience, and and they're all very fortunate and and grateful to be part of the Yankees organization.
0: When the next man up thing happens at the major league system, it happens at every single minor league affiliate too. Because if Scranton gives the Yankees a player, Scranton needs a player from Trenton, who needs a player from Tampa, who needs a player from Charles. Yada yada yada. Yad- Yad- it goes all the way down like that. Because every. Affiliate wants to be playing with 25 men in every game. And, you know, one thing that I got to see this week was on Saturday, I believe it was um, Adonis Rosa, who was slated as the starting pitcher. And then when we get to the park that day, it's this guy. And, and, I don't know how to pronounce his last name right now. Um, Josh Macheski, I believe. The reason I'm laughing is because he was amazing. And the rail riders have a tradition that after every win, you know, when they come into the clubhouse, there's lights blaring and music blasting. It's party all the time by uh, Eddie Murphy, which I certainly <laughs> applaud. And then they present the championship belt to the star of the game. They do this before the media gets in there. But since I was there with the homegrown crew, I got to see it. And right before all the players came in, J.P. Fireisen, the reliever who kind of runs the show with this thing, came over to us and asked, yo, how do you pronounce his name? Because <laughs> he hadn't met him because he just came up that day to pitch. And we went into J. Bell's office afterward and asked, you know, what happened to Rosa, who was supposed to pitch that day? Was there a problem? And he said, No, it's just they needed to get him in. And Macheski, if that's how you, if, if that is your name, um, he said, You know, he gets called into the club, into the manager's office in Trenton, expecting that he's going to be told, for whatever reason, your next start is going to be in Tampa. And instead, they're saying to him, You know, go to Scranton and make your next start. And it's just like this movement is just so much a part of life. You know, we only see. The player's coming here, and it's, yay, this must be the greatest day of your life. And we see them leaving, or usually we hear they left because they're gone by the time we see them, and it's just, man, it must be a bummer. But this happens so many times to them before they get here. I was talking to Davey Garcia. His story is a little funny because he had that incredible inning at the Futures game, Mm -hmm. and he was kind of told as he got finished there, hey, man, you're not flying back to wherever Trenton was, you're flying back to wherever, basically, you know, you're being promoted to AAA. And I was talking to him and I said, God, you know, you you have this crazy experience in a major league stadium and then you get promoted. That's got to be as good as a guest for days in your life so far. And he said, yeah, it was really great. And it was also really great when I got promoted to AA, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, this, this happens to them so many times. And yet still that last moment, you know, I've been talking too long. I apologize, but Brady Lale got called up and he pitched on Monday night and he was okay he wasn't great but he's pitched five seasons in AAA. you have to he's 26 years old you have to think that after last year when he became a free agent after being drafted by the Yankees out of high school he became a free agent he had to think I'm done yeah. and he resigns with the Yankees because they offered to bring him back
2: and he want if he felt if he's gonna make it he wants to make it with them I think after the game last night he said he was you know this close to blacking out on the mound, which, I mean, just shows you how long he has had to persevere and battle and just to just to get those couple innings in at the big league level. But it, it ends up being a great story. You, know, you, you talk about all these guys being ready to move up and this whole next man up movement and motto that the Yankees have had all year. So one thing that we hear a lot about is that there's um, – as much as they get coached and developed in hitting and pitching and fielding and at the minor league level, like the Yankees do a really good job of preparing guys for the culture of the major leagues. And you've both, you know, like we said before, I haven't taken any minor league trips, but you know, whether it be at some place like Pulaski or Double know, A AA or Triple A, like what do you guys see as far as how they are preparing these guys? For
1: life in the majors? You know, I, I think what I noticed down there, and again, I mean, you, you, you drop in for a day and you come, you know, you make observations, but it's, I'm far from a, an expert on the culture in, in rookie ball. But what I did notice is that I, I spoke to the manager down there, Luis Durante. You know, he spoke about how, you know, these guys spend more time together here at the ballpark with their teammates than they do anywhere else or with anyone else so we want to make it as comfortable and frankly enjoyable and fun as we can now obviously they're there to do a job they're there to get better as ball players and they work really hard at it I mean they're out there in the you know southern Virginia sun every afternoon you know working out and and doing all the things they need to do but you know they're they're laughing. They're they're smiling. You know the the coaches are are making jokes and there's there's music playing in the background. You know I think that is sort of a, a an organizational mindset to a degree. You know you hear the guys up here in the majors talking about how the veteran guys want new players to come in and feel comfortable right away because they believe that you're going to play your best when you're comfortable you know you don't if you come in and you're walking on eggshells and you're more worried about how guys are perceiving you or you know all this stuff that just clouds your head if you're going to
2: haze you or you right. know what silly thing they're going to and, and in baseball wasn't always like that like no. there used to be this hierarchy culture in baseball where if you were one of the younger players or a rookie that you got all the tasks that mm-hmm. nobody else in the clubhouse wanted to do, or they would dress you up or make you carry a silly backpack or whatever it was, just stuff to kind of ostracize you rather than make you feel welcome. And I feel like that's something the Yankees have done a really good job at and baseball's getting better as a whole.
0: But there are also a lot simpler things that you see in a lot of ways too. You know, no one in the Yankees organization has long hair or a beard or anything like that. This isn't just uh, when the cameras are on you in the major leagues. In fact, they're a lot more strict about it down on the farm. There used to be the Yankees code that would be posted in every clubhouse. I haven't seen that recently in every minor league clubhouse, but there were specific rules about what it meant to be a Yankee, not what it meant to be a rail rider, what it meant to be a Yankee. These guys play for the Rail Riders or the Thunder or the Tarpons, but they're Yankees. That's the point that the team really tries to convey, whether in spring training when they're all together, or in instructs or extended spring training, or just in their off-season workout. All these teams, they have different names, but it's the Yankees. Those minor league managers, they're getting charts every day about usage and things like that.
1: So you said that you spent some time with Davey Garcia when you were down there you're writing a a story about him that'll be in the september issue what can readers expect to learn about davy garcia in that article he's he's really good
0: um (laughs) strikes a lot of guys out he does it was my second time game to see him pitch in person i saw him pitch last year in charleston i was sitting with who at the guy who at the time was the Yankees low-level pitching coordinator, Danny Burrell, who was just like hopping up and down with excitement about his spin rate. But I wasn't writing there. I wasn't there writing about Dave Garcia. I was just interested. I knew I wanted to write about him this year once he started going absolutely crazy and striking out, you know, 37 guys a game. So, you know, physically he isn't tall. He's like 5'9, but he is so composed. I mean, it, immediately my mind shot to Gleyber Torres just in this sense of you talk to him and he is just such poise and presence and you know, every single person you speak to, every single person you speak to, whether it's his catchers or his pitching coach or his manager, they all say the same thing. That's who he's in the mound too. He's just in total command there and he's so mature in the mound and he's been struggling a little bit in AAA and You should struggle when you're sent from double-A to triple-A. That's not abnormal. Um, It's, you know, the strike zone changes a little bit. Right now, the ball changes (laughs) because triple-A uses the major league ball, whereas double-A doesn't. There are adjustments being made, but watching just the way he attacks these hitters. He attacks up. He attacks with a fast ball that has just this really interesting late life that I don't have a good enough scout's eye to see the ball. But what everyone told me to watch, and what I did watch, is watch the batter, and you can just see them sitting there with the bat on their shoulders, just confused by what they had just seen when it was a fastball. That if you look at game day, it looks like it was a fastball down the middle, but these guys are totally confused by it. Mm. There was an bat to John Ryan Murphy, old friend John Ryan, John Ryan Murphy. He struck him out on a wicked curveball that just it was high in the zone, but it was absolutely in the zone. And if you watch the video over and over, which I've done, you can just see Murphy's body just kind of, like, go flubber a little bit, <laughs> like, just watching this thing go through. And so everyone told me, you know,
2: watch the batter, watch the batter, and I did, and it was illuminating. A few weeks ago, John, I don't know if you remember, but we recorded a, uh, a little more casual, informal podcast right around a 4th of July weekend and we did some predictions and you know I had thrown out there at the time that Davey Garcia is going to be a guy that you see up here in the big leagues in some capacity by the end of this season I'm stopping right here what you asked was is Davey Garcia going to make
0: starts right
2: but then but then we but then we <laughs> altered it to appearances okay. We, okay. We, we altered it now, I believe you made a few crazy predictions about Mike Ford, but we won't we won't call things out here. I believe I edited those out of the podcast. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I think the question that everybody's wondering, and now that you've seen him at AAA, you know, with your own eyes, is that is this going to be a guy that we see up here at the ma- in the majors this year, and can he help this Yankees team? I I, I would be surprised if he's not up here.
0: I don't know how many games they'll get into, but the question is, do they have the flexibility to get him onto the 40 man roster right now? The 40 man roster for the Yankees is kind of a nightmare right now because of all the injuries. So that might be a reason to say no under normal circumstances. I would say absolutely yes. In terms of the value he can get by being up here. That's my only question is if they can work the 40 man in a way to make it happen.
1: Well, I'm excited to read the feature when it comes out in September, John. I'm I'm excited to finish writing the feature. (laughs) (laughs) You always do an awesome job with these stories. So, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in some deep dives into some of our prospects down on the farm, you know, check out the Minor League Report. It's in there every month. August issue has a uh, a feature on Anthony Volpe's first steps as a pro, and uh, you can look forward to a, a... uh, feature on Davey Garcia in the September issue, and of course Gary contributing the uh, the minor league roundup, little little blurbs on each team and who the who the top performers have been uh, in recent weeks. We'll get him uh, down
0: on the farm pretty soon too. Don't you yeah, worry?
1: Absolutely. Honestly, we it,
0: it, we put it in the back of the book. It's not the first thing you see in the table of contents. But I'm telling you, if I could write the minor league report every single month, I would do it in a heartbeat. They are the best stories to write. I, I cannot tell you, and again, I was with the homegrown crew who has access beyond access, but I've just never been closer to a professional baseball game than I was this weekend. I mean, literally... In the clubhouse after the game, before the players were even in there. In the clubhouse, you know, five minutes before they took the field. Just, you know, total and complete access to them at all times.
1: Very careful, you're going to get fined. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Talking about
0: talking about stuff I shouldn't be talking about. (laughs) Um, But no, the minor league stories are the best for that reason. They're just, you know, I think I use this example every single time. But you write a major league story about a pitcher and you watch from – the press box and try to peek into what he's doing in the bullpen. You write a minor league story because you're standing in the bullpen. (laughs) There was actually a great moment. I was there with our photographer, Jim Petrozello, and Davey is doing his side session in the dog in in the bullpen on Friday. (laughs) And we had just gotten to town. We hadn't really even introduced ourselves to anyone. We're just on the field. And when I say on the field, I literally mean like standing in the outfield as they're doing their stretches and things. And then Davey goes into the bullpen and Jim is just like opening the bullpen door and shooting through. And at one point the pitching coach, Tommy Phelps just walks over and says like, who are you? (laughs) We said like, oh, we're with the Yankees. Like, yeah, so am I. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> we told him, you know, we're Yankees magazine. Blah. blah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. He's like, are we about to get like kicked out of the stadium? And it was like, no. He just literally wanted to know who we were. <laughs>
2: you, you should try that during like the next pregame bullpen up here and see Absolutely. how uh, Larry Rothschild reacts to that. Exactly. I'll get shot. Yeah, the NYPD. <laughs> yeah, reacts Right. The snipers
0: <laughs> will take me out. Anyhow, that's uh, that's what we got for you this week on the Yankees Magazine podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. We will be back in about two weeks as we dive even deeper into some of the stories that we've been working on the last few weeks for our September issue, which will be coming out at the end of August, actually, before Labor Day weekend. So be ready for that. It's going to be a cool, exciting cover on a player that we've been waiting to write about for a while. So no spoilers yet But our friend Gary Phillips Gonna get his first cover story So that's uh, something, to be, something to be Looking out for In the meantime head to yankees.com magazine where you can read All of our long form stories Of course of course Make sure you head to yankees.com publications where you can buy Issues you can subscribe You can write to us at letters at yankees.com Or podcast at yankees.com Tell us the things you like Tell us the things you don't like. We'll try to fix anything we can. Please, 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 please subscribe to our podcast. Podcast www.yankees.com slash podcast. We need you to subscribe. We need you to rate and review us. We need you to tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Tell us things you want us to cover. We will speak to you in about two weeks. Have a great time. See you later and enjoy the weather. Bye.
2: Hi, this is Adam Ottavino. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS.
0: The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets Redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app.